0: Good morning, church. Good morning. How are we doing this morning? Good. That's awesome. Good to hear. Christmas is done. New Year's is on the way. And I, I just want to promise you ahead of time, I'm not going to give you another New Year's resolution that you might forget about in a couple of weeks. So don't worry about that. But, uh, y'all, I, I feel incredibly grateful to be gathered with you guys today. I just feel so grateful, just reflecting on this past year and how like, turbulent and confusing and weird, the limitations we had, being all online. I just feel so grateful that we could get together as a church family. And so I just want to say welcome to you guys who are here. Welcome to you who, those of you who joined us online. We've been praying lately as a staff team that you guys would experience PV as a home. And, I mean, no, you can't sleep here. I mean, maybe under some circumstances, maybe... But no, you can't sleep here. But uh, we want this to be a home for you in the sense that you'd feel like you belong. That at home, you can be yourself. Disarmed, not not putting anything on. And we just pray that it would be that way here at PV because we know that God wants to meet you exactly where you're at. Not where you maybe think you should be at or whatever. God just wants to meet you where you're at. And so thank you for coming where you're at Welcome home. Um, y'all, I, I don't know. I've got some good news for you this morning. Is that, is that okay? I've got some good news for you this morning. But, you know, you know, as is custom, I'll start with the bad news. How about we start there? That way we don't end on a bummer. <laughs> the bad news is that we currently live in a broken world. And if we want to put a biblical term to it, we live in a fallen world. Right from Genesis 3. Humanity has fallen, has rebelled from God. We have chosen, Adam and Eve in the very beginning chose, hey, I want to be my own God. I want to choose the direction for my life. I want to choose what is right and wrong, what is good and evil. I want to choose that for myself. And we didn't want to trust that to God. And oh my gosh, are we paying for it today? Oh my gosh, I have the pleasure of working with the college students here. Um, And oftentimes in those college years, we ask those hard questions. Like, why is there evil in the world? And y'all, I just point them straight back to Genesis 3. Because what we know in the beginning is that God created everything perfectly good. There was perfect relationship between humanity and God's creation. There was perfect relationship between humans and there was perfect relationship between humans and God. But then when we rebelled, when we tried to be our own gods, we brought evil into the mix. Every ounce of evil that we have ever experienced, any generation has experienced, can point back to that. Every single lie every single moment of distrust, every time that you have felt envious of somebody else and forgotten who God has created you to be, every moment of comparison, every murder, every mass murder, every ounce of evil is because we rebelled from God and we brought evil into the mix. Who's ready for some good news? Somebody ready for goodness? Some of my favorite words in the Bible. But God. But God. God would not allow it to stay that way. He loved us so much that He sent His one and only Son so that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. God has given us another chance. And what we know about eternal life from God's word is that there will be a new heaven and a new earth untainted from sin. That is something to look forward to. God has rescued our eternity. But also on another sense, God has rescued our present. Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God here now. And that is an amazing charge that we can take up. He has blessed us and charged us with the ministry of reconciliation. I love that because of what Jesus did. We have right relationship with God our Father right now. We have right relationship with God right now. That is amazing. That is what we walked away from. And that is what humanity has been desperately craving since the very beginning is right relationship with God. Church, if you've put your faith in Jesus, you have right relationship with God. I love the words that the Bible, the scripture uses over and over. You have peace with God. You have been reconciled. You have access to God because of what Jesus has done. Our relationship with God has been restored. Do I got some Christians in the room? Yeah, yeah. This is the gospel. This is the good news. This is what should get us out of bed in the morning. This is the good news. And man, is it good. Man, is it good. Church, uh, that's, I mean, I could leave you with that if you want. Could be pretty quick. You were here, you know, a couple days ago. No? Uh, we'll, we'll go, we'll go. It's part of my job. So <laughs> would you guys pray with me as we jump in? Father, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you are here. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that we have right relationship with God. Thank you that you have brought us out of the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of your beloved son. Thank you, Lord, that when we believe you give us your promised Holy Spirit as a seal for the day of redemption, that Jesus, your spirit is in us. Thank you. I pray, Lord, that your spirit would move in our hearts, that you'd bring conviction where it is necessary, that you'd bring encouragement where it is necessary. God, would you speak to us? Would you humble us today? And would you help us to hear your word? I pray that your spirit would do what we can't to peel back the layers of our heart that have just been hardened by this fallen world so that we can hear you afresh today. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done. In your name, amen. All right, guys, are you okay if I read from the Bible this morning? Awesome, because I'm gonna do it anyway, so. Here we go, Matthew chapter one, verse 23. It says, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is one of the names given for Jesus. And man, if you were here on Christmas, we watched a video that just listed so many different names that Jesus would be called. And it is just amazing to me how many different hats Jesus wears, how much he has done for us. And I love this verse, though. I love what this word means. Emmanuel, God with us. And when I think about this, when I, when I think about the gospel, um, frequently I like to read through the gospel story because, man, I, I love seeing Jesus' life. And every time I read it, I become super, super jealous of the disciples. I'm just like, man, what would it have been like to walk with the very word of God? What would it have been like to walk next to, to learn from, to see the miracles performed by God in man? Oh my gosh, I wish I could have been there when he healed the blind man by spitting in the mud. I mean, I I thought, I would have been like, that's so weird, Jesus. Picks up the mud, rubs it on his eyes, and he's healed. It's like, oh, okay, that's not so weird. It's great. I would have loved to have been there. I would have loved to have been there when he preached the Sermon on the Mount. Oh my gosh, to have been able to look on the life of God in flesh. Man, I just, part of me is so jealous and there, there's this thought in my head where I'm like, man, if I, if I could have been there, I would have got it. I would, like, I wouldn't doubt. I wouldn't have, like, I wouldn't have any problems. Sin wouldn't be, sin wouldn't even be there. Like, man, I would just, I would get it. But I mean, from reading the gospels, I start to understand, actually, no, I, I probably wouldn't have got it. <laughs> the disciples had no clue And they were with God in flesh for three years, seeing all these miracles, hearing his teachings. They didn't even get his teachings without the Holy Spirit's help. And it just makes me wonder why, just why didn't the disciples get Jesus? I've got a story for you. I I, I really like to play basketball. I was an athlete or wannabe athlete in high school. Was kind of small. Couldn't really play football. Would always get hurt. Um, but I came to college and I loved being active. I loved being fit. And so I was trying to find a new outlet for, you know, being, being active. And I started playing basketball. And so since I didn't play in high school, I'm kind of like, a ragtag, kind of like doesn't really know what he's doing kind of player. You know what I mean? Anybody play basketball? Don't know how to play with the team? I'm like, Kobe, I just get the ball and I want to score right away. And it, it's, it's really fun though. I actually play um, at the YMCA. Well, I mean, back when that was legal, <laughs> I, I, I would play at the YMCA with this group of guys. And it is just a joy. It is such a cool group because there are a group of older folk that play, and they're more than twice my age, some of them. And then there's some younger guys. And it is so fun to play with because you get people from all over the spectrum, all these young guys. They're super athletic. They're quick. But man, they do not know how to play as a team. (laughs) And I'm one of them. I'm trying to figure it out. But these older guys, these guys in their late 40s, 50s, even 60s maybe, they, they know how to play so crisp. Their shots are good. They understand the game. We've played before young versus old, and man, we got just trashed. They beat us so bad. But one thing that I noticed, I, I came into the Y one day, and I walk up to the gym, and I go in, and I see those older guys over in the corner on the bleachers just stretching. You know what I mean? Like working out the kinks, you know, working out the kinks. And I walk in and I'm like, hey guys. And I just start dribbling, running around, doing layups. And they're just, they've got to warm up a little bit. And I remember going up to them and having a conversation before where they were like, man, I miss being a young man. I miss not having to warm up. I miss that. Miss being a young man. And I was like, you know, I kind of laughed it off and just let it go. And, but I've thought about that a lot. I've thought about that a lot since then. And if there are any older gentlemen in this room, I would challenge that and say, no, I don't think you really do miss being a young man. Like it's, it's really cool to be limber and to just like be able to do layups without warming up. But oh my gosh, if, you are, if your experience is anything like mine, when you're a young man, you are chocked full of pride. Chalked full of unearned confidence and you think that you understand the world and it is just set up against you and you make so many mistakes and this, is, this might be just me, this probably isn't you, but if you're anything like me, there's just a little bit of stupid in there too. <laughs> just enough to make you be reckless and do dumb things, <laughs> get hurt every once in a while. But there, is, there are so many riches with growing up with growing older and oh my gosh, I envy the gray hairs and the wisdom in the years and the understanding. Cause oh my gosh, I make so many mistakes. So many just goofy mistakes. I got married y'all. I got married this this last year. It's amazing. I'm so blessed. I cannot believe my wife married me. She's way too good for me. (laughs) She is way too good for me. She's amazing. I love being married to my wife, but as a young man, I kind of, you know, like I said, I kind of feel like I understand the world, and I got things figured out. And so I remember one time in our marriage, we, we were, you know, about to enter into a conflict. She brought something up, and I could tell she was upset about it. And in my, you know, super wise head, I was like, hmm, how should I keep this from escalating? Maybe I should make a sarcastic joke and make light of it. I don't know if you guys have ever tried that, but if you haven't, don't. (laughs) Do not try that. That's not a good move. (laughs) But man, there were some young men in the Bible called the disciples who thought they got it. And I think since sometimes we young men think that we understand it, we're kind of bad at listening. At least I am. And I know the disciples were as well. The disciples are terrible listeners. They thought they had Jesus figured out in the whole way. He's like, mm-mm, you do not get it. There are so many stories I could point to to, to point this out, but there's one of them that I love. Uh, it's in Matthew chapter 20. Let's go there. Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 to 24. It says, and then the mother of the sons of Zebedee, that would be James and John, came up to Jesus with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, what do you want? She said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit one at your right hand and the other at your left in your kingdom. Jesus answered, mm, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They said to him, we're able, we, we get it, we understand. And he said to them, mm, if only you knew you will drink my cup. But to sit at my right hand and at my left, that's actually not mine to grant. But it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. And when the other ten disciples heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. I I love this passage. I feel like there's a little bit of weirdness in it. It kind of makes me laugh. Because James and John had their mom (laughs) go to their boss and ask for a promotion. (laughs) Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if I had my mom come to church and was like, hey, Chad, can you make Carl like the the vice senior pastor? You know, give him a raise while you're at it. Like, what? That would be so weird. I'd probably get fired. Probably not. Chad's really gracious. He'd probably laugh. But it is so weird, that situation. And in reading some commentaries, and I mean, I think I've heard other pastors preach on this. That was actually like, an honorable thing. It wasn't as weird as as we would think it would be. It it wasn't like a super weird, uncommon thing. It was actually an honorable thing to have your mom come do that. And so, but what, what I really wanna point out is that the sons of Zebedee, James and John, they thought they had Jesus figured out. They thought they knew what he was coming to do. The common understanding at that point in the Old Testament time is that the Messiah would come and that when he would come, he would rule Israel and he would boot out any oppressors, anybody ruling over them. And then Israel would rule or the Messiah would rule over Israel as a nation forever and everything would be great. That was kind of what they thought was going to happen. They thought he was going to be a military leader. They thought he was going to take over. Even those who were closest to Jesus, they thought that as well. But Jesus actually came to bring a different kingdom. So James and John, they're like, okay, if we're about to, you know, make it to the big times, if, we're, if, if Jesus is about to rule on earth, I want to have some power too. You know, I, just, I don't want to be the 12th guy here. I want to be like, you know, the first and second, right next to Jesus. I want a promotion. I want power. And so they do this. They have their mom come ask them, hey, Jesus, one at your right, one at your left. But man, they, they did not get it. They did not understand it at all. And here's one reason why I know that the disciples are terrible listeners is because two chapters before this, Jesus says in Matthew 18, hey, actually the greatest, the greatest among you is whoever humbles himself like this child. Greatness actually comes from humility and not from trying to seek power. And they did not hear it. They decided to seek out that power and that worldly success. And the point I want to make here, and I think this is relatable, not just James and John struggle with this, but we often value worldly success more than we value relationship. Man, that, that totally can happen here in America. We value worldly success over the relationships that we have. And man, we miss out on that. We miss out on relationships so much. My goodness. I know that I do for myself. This is something I really struggle with. And the question I want to ask this morning, just as an introspective moment, is what does this worldly success look like for you? What what kind of entangles you in your walk? What draws you away from relationship? Is it being right? Because, man, that can harsh our relationships. Is it getting money stacking that bread as the kids would say (laughs) is it getting rich is it having the respect of others the approval of others maybe is it having power or influence is it even personal satisfaction and comfort do we put that above relationship man i know that i've done that i've put all of these above relationship in my life in my short life One thing I want to point out is verse 24. After James and John do this, they're they're seeking their, their worldly success and the disciples find out they were so upset. They were indignant, it says. They were so mad. Do you think you're better than us, guys? Why would you do that? Why would you go behind our backs trying to subvert us, trying to get more power? Like, do you care more about that than relationship with us? What's going on there? And the point I want to make is that when we make life about worldly success, it harshes our relationships. It really does. The people around us, those closest to us really feel that. They really feel that. And this is not Jesus' way. Let me just clarify that. This is not Jesus' way. Remember when they asked Jesus, hey, what is the greatest command? He said, the first is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, hey, my kingdom is about loving God and loving others with all we got. It's about relationship, not about worldly success, not about having the power. And I know that we can feel this pursuit of success over relationships in our, in our human relationships, but I also think it happens in our relationship with God. That sometimes we use our faith or we use Christianity as a means of personal success rather than relationship with God. Sometimes I feel like we use the wisdom we glean from God's word to try to like get ahead or try to be the best that we can be. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if we value that more than we value relationship with God, we've missed it. We've missed it. It's actually the relationship with God that is supposed to transform us. For example, I would just think about God's word. I know that so many people, even outside of Christianity, respect the wisdom that there is in scripture, respect the teachings of Jesus, respect the Proverbs, and they see it as wise. But it's so easy to just see Christianity as an ideology rather than as a relationship with God. It's not just an ideology. It is personal relationship. I even, I even think that sometimes I mess it up in my brain where I make my time with God's word about checking a box. And that for me feels good. I like checking off those checklists and I'm like in the morning, I'm like, all right, I mean, I want to get up and do other things, but I got to do my chair time. I'll read God's word, 15 minutes, cruise through a chapter and be like, all right, I'm done. Check the box. I feel great. But... That wasn't the intended purpose. It wasn't just to make me feel like productive. It's about relating to God, knowing him, hearing hearing what he has to say to me. Man, it's, it's just so easy for me to think about success rather than relationship. And I think this phenomenon is a big problem because the primary thrust of the gospel is that we have been reconciled in relationship to God. It says in his word that we've been entrusted with the ministry of reconciliation. That's what sharing the gospel is. It's the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation is about bringing two people together. That is what faith is. Because of Jesus, sin has been removed from us as far as the East is from the West so that we can have perfect relationship with a perfectly good God. That's what it's about. It's about that relationship. I think that sometimes we're tempted to make less of the gospel. I know that at least for me, if someone asked me and I wasn't prepared and asked me like, hey, what is the gospel in like five to 10 words? What is the gospel? I would definitely say, you know, the gospel is Jesus came and died so that we could be forgiven of our sins. And that's true. That is true. Jesus came and died so we could be forgiven of our sins. But why? Why do we need to be forgiven of our sins? So that we can have relationship with God. That is what happens. That we enter into relationship with God. Like it was back in the Garden of Eden. That's why Jesus came. Jesus died to redeem our relationship with God. It's relational. That's what faith is. I know it. I know it's relational. There are some verses I'd love to read for you. Romans 5, 1, it says, therefore, since we have been justified, meaning we've been made right with God by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I love that. We have peace with God. (sighs) Just let me take a breath of fresh air because man, I know that I messed up. I know that I've made so many mistakes. I have peace with God. And it's not like peace between two nations that don't like each other. It's deeper, it's more relational. I know that because in Galatians three twenty six it says, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. You are all children of God. God didn't just want to forgive you so that you could be his people. God wanted to make you his kid, his child. He wanted that kind of a relationship with you. For those of you who've been blessed with kids, how often do you get to be with your kids? Hopefully, I I pray that it's every day. It's a close relationship. They depend on you for so much. I remember that in my relationship with my parents. They depend on you for so much. And in the same way, God brought us into that kind of relationship with him that we would depend in relationship on our God and Father. That is beautiful. God is so relational. He's not about power or success. He's about bringing us close, that relationship. Y'all, every ounce of faith is meant to be relational. And as I read the scriptures more and more, I see it everywhere. The whole Bible is pointing to that. Even looking in the Old Testament, think about the Ten Commandments the 10 commandments all all the way back from abraham they are concerning love and relationship with god and love and relationship with other people and if you break the commandment you break the relationship you harm the relationship It's about relationship with others and with God. Think about prayer, for instance. That's a part of our faith. That's a big part of our faith. Prayer isn't just a speech that sounds good to impress other people. We're not talking to a wall. We're not talking to a room. We're not just trying to say words that'll make us feel better. We are literally in the throne room of God, asking him for help, asking a real living God to move. That's what prayer is. It's relational. There's relationship there. Thinking about God's word. It's how he shows us who he is. He reveals his character to us in it. He speaks to us through his word. When I open God's word, even if I've read it before, it hits me afresh. It hits me new because God is speaking through his word. It's relational. He is speaking to me. He is speaking to you relationship. Even faith itself is relational. It's trust, right? I used to think faith was just choosing to believe in something. It's just the power of will. I'm going to choose to believe in this because I like the way it's headed. Faith isn't just like heaping up hope that is based on nothing. Faith is well-grounded. A mature understanding of faith is recognizing, no, it's not just trusting in this ideology because I think it builds the best humanity. It's actually rather, I trust in the person of Jesus. I trust in who he is. Faith, what it really is, is choosing to trust someone because of who they've proven themselves to be. That's why, because they've proven themselves to be a certain way. And God, throughout the whole history, the Old Testament up until now, he has been proving himself to be a certain way. And he has proven himself faithful. That's why we trust in him. That's why we trust in relationship with him. And just going back to thinking about the disciples, I'm like, man, this faith thing, this relationship thing, that would be a whole lot easier if Jesus was right here, Like in the flesh, if Jesus was right here, that would be so much easier. Walking with him for three years, talking with him, joking around the campfire, you know they did it. I bet Jesus was hilarious. That kind of a relationship that they shared, walking with him, seeing him move, I envy that. I'm like, man, there was just like this closeness in that relationship. But actually Jesus says something else. In John chapter 16, 7, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's starting to tell them that he's, he's going to die. He's going to go away. Sorry. He's going to die and ascend into heaven. And they're worried. They're freaking out because they're like, hey, we've just been following you, man. We've been following you for three years. You are the person we look to. If you leave, what what, what do we do? Jesus says this in John sixteen seven, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him. Here, Jesus is actually talking about the Holy Spirit. It's kind of crazy that Jesus would say, hey, like me leaving earth is gonna be a really good thing. The presence of God in human form on earth, the fact that that's leaving, that would worry me too. But Jesus is saying, hey, it's a good thing because I'm not just going to dwell in one body. I'm going to dwell in every believer. Every single one of them. We know from Ephesians 1 that once you believe, you've been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit that God's presence dwells with you. Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus That didn't stop. God is with us now. We have the presence of God in us if we believe. That is incredible. We're not flying blind. He is with us. Your relationship with God is not long distance. It is not on hold. It is very present. It is in your very heart. Jesus dwells with you. That is amazing. That is incredible that God is with us now. I want to continue on in that passage where Jesus just talks a little bit about sending his spirit. He says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can even bear right now. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. And I love this passage. It just really demystifies the Holy Spirit for me. And I think the Holy Spirit gets kind of like a bad rap. He gets kind of like this, like, ooh, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. Ooh, I don't like that word. And it's just because of his name. Isn't that bad? You just get like a bad rap because of your name. I think like the name Carl gets kind of a bad rap. All these movies, they're just like, they just don't get it. It's like, come on, Carl. (laughs) Holy Spirit gets a bad rap because of his name, but he, really the Holy Spirit is just the third person of the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, same person. I love, it just really makes sense to me when in other parts of the New Testament, they refer to the Holy Spirit as the spirit of Jesus because it is his spirit. Jesus is sending his spirit to us to live in us. There's a couple of cool things that you can see in this passage. Um, verse 13 says, but he, the spirit of truth, I love that. The spirit of truth. That means he is truth. Where else does the Bible talk about truth? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, this is the spirit of Jesus. He will guide you into all truth. What a great promise. I don't know about you, but I get sidetracked all the time. The Holy Spirit will guide you and lead you into all truth. He's not going to speak on his own. He's not going to say some crazy stuff. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me being Jesus because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. I love that the spirit only says what Jesus tells him to. That is really cool. That means the spirit's prompting sound like Jesus. That is so cool. And even like in my own life, when I feel prompted by the Holy Spirit, I, it's scripture. It's scripture. It is scripture being brought to mind. Just being reminded to pray always, pray continually, rejoice in every situation when I'm down. It's scripture every single time because that is the word of God. The spirit will lead us and speak to us from Jesus. That is amazing that we have that, that God would not abandon us. Praise God for that. That he's not far off. He's not just like, hey, follow these rules and then, hey, one day maybe you'll be with me. No! He is with us as much now as Jesus was with the disciples. That is incredible. That is amazing. I just, if you take anything, just know that no matter what you face in this life, no matter what, no matter how hard, no matter how good, no matter how peaceful, no matter how turbulent your life gets, you face it with the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit's presence in you. That is incredible, church. I want to invite the band to come up, but I got one more story for you guys. I love telling stories. I'm sorry. It's just what I do. Um, I, uh, like I said, I got married and my wife is amazing. Y'all, like right before we got married, she was moving out of her old house and um, she was packing her bags and she went up to her, her closet and started packing. And I was downstairs in her living room hanging out with her roommates, just having a good old time. I had my legs kicked up. I remember feeling really relaxed and she came down the stairs and was like, hey, can you come help me? And I was like, oh, I don't want to. I'm not proud of it, but it's true. <laughs> I'm not bragging, let me just say that. I was like, oh, I don't want to. But on the outside, I just gave her a smile and I was like, okay, 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 I'll come. I'm coming. And I went up the stairs and I go and I, I remember just, I think I was just super tired or something, making excuses for myself. And I was in the closet. She was packing her bags and she was talking to me. My, my wife is an incredible conversationalist. I, I'm not the best. Um, she was just talking, talking. And I can't tell you what she said. Because I wasn't listening. Do you know why? (laughs) It is so lame. I walked into the closet. She's packing. And there's a light on the ceiling. And from the light, there's a drawstring to turn it on. And at the bottom of the drawstring, there's this little knob. And as I walked in, I was like, whoa. That knob is right about the level of my hat. (laughs) And then I was like, I wonder if I could hit it with the bill of my hat and so I go dunk (laughs) and the thing swings out and I was like whoa and it comes back and then I went dunk and I hit it again and I was like whoa two in a row I wonder how long I could keep this going (laughs) and so I just dunk dunk I I you guys I got like 30 or 40 pretty good anybody else challenge me later see what you can do um But as I'm around 30 or 40, I realize it got quiet. (laughs) And that for me means trouble. (laughs) So I stop what I'm doing and I'm like, hey. And she's like, were you you listening to what I just said? And I just had the audacity to say, yeah. (laughs) Until she said, what did I say? And then I was like, oh gosh, you got me. I'm so sorry. We ended up talking through it and man, I repented. (laughs) All of that to say, I was in the room with my wife and I was just distracted by whatever, something so dumb and I missed what she was saying to me. I missed relationship with my wife in that moment because I was just canoodling, you know? I am miss relationship with my wife. And in the same way, God's spirit dwells in your heart. Whether we listen or not, he is there. He is there. My encouragement to you is listen. God is with us. Let's listen to him. Can I ask you guys to do something this week? i uh, I I'll just like to ask that in your chair time, maybe when you're in the word or when you're praying or maybe even when you're on a drive or walking or whatever, just pray and say, Lord, is there anything that you would have me do? Is there anything that you'd have me stop doing? Or even just, Lord, is there anything that you'd like to say to me? And I would encourage those of you who who just feel really down on yourself to just try something really childlike. I know this is so childlike. But ask the Lord for some encouragement and say, God, how do you see me? Like, how did you create me? What do you see that is good in me? And then just pause and let him speak. I don't know about you, but my prayers get really crowded by my words. I'll just encourage you, ask a question and let him speak. Give him room. That's it. Would you guys pray with me? Father, thank you uh, for who you are. Thank you, Lord, that you are the founder of our faith and you're the finisher of it. It's just so encouraging, God, to know that no matter where we're at in our lives, no matter where we're at in our faith, that you're with us, that you love us, and that you're faithful to see us to the end. I pray, God, that you would move in our hearts that you'd speak to us this week. Would you speak to us today? Just in the quiet voice that comes from our heart where you are, would you speak to us? pray, God, that it would be for great encouragement in our hearts and that it would just be so, just such a sweet time in relationship with you. I pray, God, that we wouldn't overlook relationship with you. That you would remember that actually that's our created intent, is relationship with you and relationship with others. Would you lead us, Jesus? into this. We love you. We submit to you. You're our king. Thank you that you're with us in your name. Amen.